We have been talking about the Beatitudes, and you know, I kind of I went back and forth a few times about, you know, it's a Christmas message. Do I give a Christmas message? And I believe the message of Jesus is a Christmas message. And we've been learning from the teaching of Jesus from the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. And if you remember... Jesus began teaching his disciples, and then the crowd started to gather around him. And this, the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5, is the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount. So I want to preface again, this is Jesus' teaching. All right? So let's check in. Let's don't check out. Let's check in. Okay, let's check our hearts in. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Do y'all care to stand up with me? We're going to read this. Very short. Pete, bring up my uh, PowerPoint. Let's just say it together. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they will see God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, it is, it is what my heart's desire is to, is to see you. Lord, if we could see you, we won't accept anything other than you. Just ask right now, Lord, that you would just prepare our hearts for your word. That in this season, Lord, depression wants to come on, frustration wants to come on, division wants to come on, selfishness wants to come on. Lord, everything but you wants to overtake us. But right now, Lord, we slow down and we just say, Lord, our heart is turned towards you. For the next 30 minutes, Lord, we turn our heart to you and ask you right now to speak directly into our hearts. Holy Spirit, speak directly into our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Welcome to Church on the Hill. We're so glad you're here. Merry Christmas, man. What a great Christmas season. Because Jesus is still on the throne. Midst of a fiscal cliff or hurricane or whatever could come, Jesus is on the throne. God's economy is not about to go off some fiscal cliff. It's not. There will be a lot of shaking, but his kingdom will not shake. It's time that we learn to put our feet on solid ground and not on ground that's going to move. And that's on the kingdom. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, real quickly, let's review. We're on number six. Let's Let's look a little bit before. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You remember who acknowledged that they need God, that we don't have it all together, that we need God. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God. Blessed, number two, blessed are those who mourn their sin. Blessed are those who spiritually mourn. Remember what that means? Who still care about what they do. And if they do wrong, they care enough to stop. Amen? Let's keep going. Number three, blessed are those who are meek. And who continually to fight the flesh against selfishness and self. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who come under authority. Blessed are those who give in order for unity. Who give in. Who give in their way. Remember, even if they're right. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. He was completely right. But he gave up that right For us, because we were completely wrong. That was meekness. 
So many times we want to stand strong because we're right. Let me tell you, Jesus was right. Yet he gave everything. He didn't say our sin was okay. Nope, he paid for it. He took it to the cross for us. What's next? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who run after, who pursue after righteousness, after knowing God's Word and walking out God's Word and knowing the right thing to do. Now, we don't always do it. We read with Paul. Paul says, I know what's right to do, but I don't do it. There's something going on in me that's fighting me from doing what's right. Can anybody relate? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Matthew 6.33, still part of the Sermon on the, Mount, on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God and His, and all these things will be added unto you. And then finally, last week, blessed are the merciful, because God has shown us mercy. We learned from the unforgiving, from the unforgiving servant, where he was shown mercy and was... was uh, was freed of his big, humongous debt, but then he would not show mercy to those that he held debt against. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. All right, leads us to today. Blessed are the pure in heart. Do you see a pattern? I've been talking about it every week. God's not dealing with what we do God's not even dealing with who we are when it comes to what lineage we came from, which side of the tracks we were born on. He's dealing with our character. He's dealing with who who we are, what we are, what's down deep in you. The Lord's saying, that's what I'm trying to take care of. I am trying to fix your heart. If we can get, if the Lord, if the kingdom of God can get a hold of your heart, all these things will be added unto you. So much that he still provides for the birds, he will provide for you. Blessed, blessed are the pure in heart. This is his goal. If he can change our heart, we will change. What does it say? If we're pure in heart, what's going to happen? We're going to see God. Do you know that that's what I believe, that that's what the ultimate, um, the ultimate uh, goal of Jesus in his teaching is not just to put us on the right track. It's not just to give us an abundant life, but to lead us into his presence. To genuinely see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Those who press in, who seek first. You know you can't see God with a dull heart? We need heart surgery. We need to allow heart surgery by God. And when he does heart surgery on us, We see God differently. We see God differently. We experience God differently. So, to attain pure in heart, what is the key word here? Does anybody see a key word in this scripture? It's pure. Okay, well, I have a heart. I want to see God. So, what's the difference? It's the condition of my heart. Pure. Purity. I can hear the comments now, oh no, here we go again. It's another beating today. No, it's not. It's the answer to freedom. The answer to breakthrough is right here in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not trying to beat us down. He's trying to exalt us. He's trying to set us on his rock so that when the storm comes, you're not going to get blown away. So we're about to get the answer to breakthrough. So what's purity? Let me give you a couple definitions. 
now listen to me, unmixed with any other matter, like pure gold. You know, when you purify gold, you heat it up and you pull off the impurities off the top because you don't want the impurities in the gold, right? It lowers the value. So that's a, a term for purity. Free from dust, dirt, or taint, like spring water, spotless or stainless. Free from harshness or roughness and being in tune. You ever heard somebody sing off tune? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone and they were off tune? Have you ever been off tune? Have you ever been singing and realized you're singing off tune? But you were convinced the other person was wrong. And then all of a sudden you realize, uh-oh, it was me. I was off tune. Free from what weakens or pollutes. Containing nothing that does not properly belong. Free from moral fault or guilt. So let's dive into pure in heart real quickly. Pure in heart, I believe there are three steps. I think there are three things that battle purity. Look at these right here. Three things that battle purity. Number one, they are morals. Number two, they're motives. Number three, they are methods. Now, I'm not going to take real long here. We're going to go pretty quickly this morning. Morals tend to be our thoughts and our words and our deeds. Our morals are kind of a worldview. Our morals are kind of what we stand on. When you get questioned and you have to make a decision, you have to go back to what are your morals. And one main battle in morals is lust, fleshly lust. We are born with fleshly lusts that war against our ability to experience God more. Do you know there's a war for your heart? There's a war, there's a battle going on in this world for your heart. And lusts diminish and defile and shut down our hearts in a spiritual way. So let me ask you, what's wrong with my heart? Will you say that? What's wrong with my heart? What's wrong with my heart? One, two, three. What's wrong with my heart? <laughs> Good question. Good question. What's wrong with my heart? Jeremiah 17, 9 says this. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Do you know that your heart can deceive you? Do you know that your feelings can deceive you? Do you know that your circumstances can deceive you? I've said this over and over. I don't remember who, where I heard this taught, but if you think you can't be deceived, you're already there. You're already there. The heart is deceitful. You can't always trust your heart. Mark chapter 7, verse 21. says, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, Malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly, all these evils come from inside and defile a person. Doesn't even say it comes from Satan, it comes from our heart, it comes from our flesh. We live in a we have a flesh nature. Now Satan certainly does help 
when it comes to our sin, but it comes from our heart. You know, before you sin, it's got to start in your heart. Anybody with me? You know, you're saved, you're born again, but these things still try to keep us from our freedom. So as we deal with our morals, we start to learn to notice what's in our heart. And do you remember how we know what's in our heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's coming out of your mouth? You can know the condition of your heart by your mouth. But let's say we start to get our morals right. We start to walk free of immoral behavior, which takes us to our motives. Our motives so many times aren't pure in our interaction with people. Mike Bickle, who's the uh, head of uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City, says this. He says, one form of purity is to seek to give people more than we seek to take from them or to receive from them. In our natural, in our normal natural relationships, have you ever noticed that so many times we try to get the upper hand? Any of you have siblings? Do you remember growing up? It was all about having the upper hand. I know it's coming. Do you guys, I still have children that are teenagers and younger, and it'll be a battle to see who gets to open the first present. (laughs) And so many of them will be convinced who did it last year. Even though they don't remember, they're completely convinced who will be first. (laughs) Then the boss steps in and says, I remember. She does. You know what, that's scriptural right there. So many times we think we've got it right, but then we seek to our authority, we seek to the Word of God and get the right answer. We concede what it is that we want in order to get what God wants. But so many times we're trying to get, gain the upper hand. Scripture says, give more than you take. But what's your motive? How many times have we given more than we take, but we're really in the back of our mind or in our, deep in our heart expecting them to give more? Have you ever said, I'm sorry, to someone waiting for them to say, I'm sorry? Or did you say, I'm sorry, so that they would say, I'm sorry? You really weren't sorry. You just wanted them to say you're sorry. But you do that, and they don't say it. You ever gotten stuck there? Kids in relationship, you ever said, I love you, and the other person doesn't say it back? Awkward. I can, I'm, I'm a, this is going to be kind of silly. I may not even should share this, but I'm going to share it. The first time I said I love you to Elizabeth, she was hanging on every word. We were on the phone, and I couldn't hardly get it out. I'd never said it to anybody. You're the only one. I had never said it, and I'm like, I don't know, should I say it? I don't know, I, I feel it. I know it. I think she feels it too, but I don't know what I'm going to risk everything. But I, I, and she's like, <laughs> and the second I got it out, she's like, "Oh, I love you." She, <laughs> but my heart had to be right, and it didn't matter what her reaction was. So when I say I'm sorry, I need to be sorry even if you don't tell me you're sorry. I need to be able to forgive you even if you don't choose to forgive me. That's not my problem. I just got my problem off my chest. 
Now, if there's going to be a problem, it's going to be on you and not on me. That's what I like. I don't want you to have a problem, but I sure don't want me to have a problem. Can anybody agree? What's our motive? What's our motive in our relationships? Look what it says in Acts 20, verse 35. Jesus said himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Guys, that's not just at Christmas time. That's in relationship. That's in church. That's in marriage. That's at work. That's in leadership. That's with siblings. Siblings? Y'all all look up over here at me. Y'all are still at that age. Y'all are having to get along with your siblings. Let me tell you, at my age, I still got to get along with mine. Anybody say amen to that? Man, is it coming or what? Are they? Are they? Are they? Are they already here? Are they sitting next to you? And you're like, just move on. Just, just. What are your motives? Are they to control? Are they to win? Are they to hurt? Are they to be noticed? Guys, in your relationships, if you want successful relationships, give more than you receive. You be the giver. Blessed, blessed is the pure in heart. Blessed is the one who, when you say a kind word, you really mean it. When you say, I, 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 I do, I'm sorry you mean it, without a hook in it. It's more blessed to give than to receive. When you give more than you receive, you have good, healthy, strong, solid relationships. You know, it's what happens in marriage. We go through the dating process and we invest in each other. We take, well, I take my, my fiancé out to the, her favorite restaurants. I buy her, at that time it was purses and clothes and jewelry. And man, do y'all remember, wives, when your husbands did that for you? come on (laughs) bought you flowers got you cards I wasn't a good card giver but she loved cards so I had to learn to give cards so I gave cards then you get married and you kind of keep it up a little bit longer this is kind of good but uh, you know she's she's in the bed next to me I don't have to chase after her anymore so I stop giving presents I stop investing I stop pouring into her and what do I start doing I start pulling from her All I want is me, 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 and I've stopped investing into her love account, into her account, into my relationship account to her. Next thing you know, we hit rock bottom. Why? It's just like your checking account. If all you do is pull money out, you're going to run out. And you know what? The way credit works now, they might let you get away with it for a little while. And then you're going to have to pay the piper. In your marriage, in your leadership roles, in your church, in your work, in your checkbook, in your kids, you had better be an investment-minded person, not a withdrawal-minded person. You know why your, your relationships are struggling? Well, because the other guy did something nasty. Yeah, but you quit investing. When trials came, you shut down the investment and just withdrew, hoping you'd keep withdrawing from that account and never have to give back into it again. It's what happens to us in church. You want to know why we struggle in church? It's because our heart's gotten wrong. Not because the God's not on the throne. Not because the church is bad. Our heart is turned. You want to know why marriage is turned? It's because our heart's turned. Hallelujah, this is good. Okay. Methods. 
method so many times can be impure, trying to get away with something, getting by with something, not getting caught. How we walk out business and ministry and relationships with people. You know, I'm, I'm a, I refer to this all the time, but when it comes to my eating, I do great until there's holidays, until there's food laying around, and then I just think, I'm just going to eat a little bit of that. I'm just going to eat a little bit of that. And I, I get on my scale thinking, oh, Lord God, please let me still be at my weight. You know, I, I, I indulge, and then I pray, God, redeem me. And then I get on the scale, and I'm like, God, you let me down. No. No, God said, no, you ate all that. You want to know why, you, why you're where you are? Think back an hour ago and what you just did. That's not my fault. God says, that's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's my fault. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I pray that this food will hurry up and get ate. How many of you know you get, the, you get the thing dangled out in front of you and you just can't hardly turn the thing down? Hey. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> Methods. Methods. Remember the ultimate goal of purity in heart. Do you remember what the ultimate goal is? What is the reward of purity in heart? It's to see God. Do you know what God's doing through the, through the Beatitudes? He is taking us up the mountain. He is taking us up the mountain to Him. To climb the mountain and see God, to grow closer to God, to experience more of God in our personal life, in our marriage, in our children, in our work, in our church, in our finances, in our struggles. We want to just think the time to see God is just when it's good. No, I need God in my struggles. How many of us get in worse shape because of our struggles, not in better shape? It's pretty good right there. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't have that. that the, Lord, the Lord gave us that one. You can be a, you can be a step climber toward, toward righteousness in your struggles. You don't have to go backwards. That's not part of my covenant. My covenant is that I'm going to get through. Not only am I going to get through, but I'm going to be better off than when I started. If I do it God's way. It impacts every part of our life. Not just a good way, a great way, a supernatural way. A way that you can never achieve in the, in the natural. It's coming from darkness out of darkness into the light, into truth. 1 John 1, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. You know, when we start to see God, when we start to have a pure heart, we start to walk out of darkness of deception, out of darkness of confusion, out of darkness of depression and fear, and we start to step into the light, coming out of the lies and the deception and the misdirection, into the truth, into the right or the righteous way. There's no darkness in God. None. No confusion. And without purity, without pure heart, we will not see God. Maybe you've tried this church thing and it just seems dull. It seems dead. Man, it's not worth it. Do you know what the problem is? It's not church. It's not God. It's you. 
It's when I have a problem, it's me. Seek purity of heart and you will see God. Not church, you'll see God. Then when you see God, you will see church in a different way. You will see your spouse in a different way. You will see your kids. You will see your boss. You will see your job. Why? Why will you see it differently? Because you won't be in the dark. You'll no longer be in the dark. Have you ever had to be in the dark? We just uh, about a month ago had the power go out. Some fluke power went out. And it was at 4.30. It was already dark. And Elizabeth was at class and all my kids were at home. And what are we going to do? Not, not just what are we going to do, how are we going to do? We had food in the oven. Oven shut off. So we go and find every candle. I mean, it was kind of bizarre for Rita Marie to study by candlelight. And she had her laptop holding it over her paper. And, you know, we'd, we'd just figure out how to make it. But once the light came on, our whole perspective changed. When the light comes on, when you step into the light, you will see things differently. From God's perspective, not yours. You know what the problem is? Your perspective. You're in the dark. He's in the light. Proverbs 23, I'm almost done. This is the NIV. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Where are your issues coming from? Not your neighbor, not your boss, not your church. You. <laughs> Hallelujah. We live in a society that likes to blame people, likes to blame Obama, likes to blame the government, likes to blame health care, likes to blame the church, likes to blame our boss, likes to blame the economy. Nope. Me. God is on the throne. His kingdom is not shaking. And he can bless you when the economy is at its worst. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Do you see that what Jesus is trying to do is get you on the right course? Our heart, when it's wrong, takes us down the wrong path. 1 Peter 1.22 says, Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. How do we get purified? Can you see it? Purified by obeying the truth through the Spirit. Obedience to God's Word. When we are obedient to God's Word, we are able to love one another fervently with a pure heart. To purify by the obedience of God's Word through the Holy Spirit. Sincerely. You see this? You know what that means? It means we got the right motives. Our heart's right. Sincerely. Sincerely. As we obey the, God's word, God purifies us. And when that happens, you know what happens? We see God. Psalm 24, verse 3. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean heart, clean hands and a pure heart. 
who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. How do we get a pure heart? Obedience to his word. Acts 15, 8, God knows the heart that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us, for he purified their hearts. How? By faith. This doesn't contradict the last scripture we just looked at. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Our purifying comes by the word of God through the Holy Spirit. By faith. As I close, I'm going to close with one last scripture. But this Christmas season, today, just at this moment, I want to encourage you and I want to ask you to do something. To ask the Lord, what's wrong with my heart? Do you know that it's the Holy Spirit that can search into your depths, can go into those cracks, and can show you where the real hurt is, where the real problem is? And do you know that it is through Him that He can heal that part of your heart? Do you know that the Lord desires to heal your whole heart? That's what Christmas is about. God sending His Son so that we would not have to have a pathway to hell. But not only to have a pathway to heaven, but to be able to live a life here of victory of forgiveness, of great relationship, of love for one another. Can we make a commitment today? We're about to go home and we're about to start traveling and go see family. Let me tell you, you need a new heart. You may say, Pastor, I've been saved and I've read where it says it gives me a new heart. You know what? Even as Christians, we need a new heart. Would you consider letting God do heart surgery on you today. Ezekiel chapter 36 says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a sp- new spirit in you. I will, remove your old, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. We all just bow your heads with me as we close this morning. Christmas time, so many times, is such a hard time. And you know what? It shouldn't be a hard time. The Lord is saying, you're struggling with Christmas season year after year is, is about to be over. The Lord would say, if you would let me have your heart. You've got a lot of bitterness, you've got a lot of unforgiveness, and you've got some things that are real. I'm not trying to say that these hurts aren't real. But I want you to know that Jesus Christ went to the cross so you would not have to carry that burden your whole life. God the Father sent His Son to come as a human 
to walk a perfect life, completely sin-free, so that what he deserved, we would get. But it requires heart surgery. Would you allow the Lord to move in your heart today? I just ask you right now. I'm not going to ask you who you need to forgive. I'm not going to ask you what your problems are. I want you to ask the Lord, what's the condition of my heart? What's the condition of my heart? Are you here today and you would say, Pastor, I've never given my heart to the Lord ever. Not, I've never made that first step. You know, it says that those who will confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that he was raised from the dead, they will be saved. If that's you, would you do that today? Would you just confess with your mouth right now, Jesus, come into my heart. I give my heart to you. I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I've got a hard heart. And I want to let God do heart surgery on me. If that's you, I just ask you right now just to yield to the Lord. Yield to the Holy Spirit. And make a commitment today to start to get into His Word. Because just in your reading His Word will the Lord purify your heart. Would you do that today? Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray over this congregation today. And Lord, I thank you so much, Father, for the gift of Jesus that you sent to us. I thank you that he came from a virgin birth. I thank you that it was prophesied years ago that he was coming. And that, Lord, he came. And that he lived a life for me and died on the cross for me so that I might be able to receive what he deserves and I would not receive what I deserve. Jesus, do heart surgery on us today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just ask y'all, will y'all stand up with me and those that are ministering with me, come on down. If you've got a prayer need at all, Step on out. I know there's a lot of need today at the Christmas season. I want to encourage you, step out and let the Lord move in your life.